Today is Sunday, May 23rd, and this is episode 4 of the Knuckle Curve Podcast, where we're going to recap this past week in baseball for you. My name is Artie, and with me is my co-host, Andrew. Andrew, what a crazy week of baseball. It's literally been one of the wildest seven-day stretches that I can physically remember. I can't believe we have team drama in, like, every corner of the league now. We have team drama. We have some ridiculous streaks going on. We have people coming off COVID lists like they've been playing the whole season. It's it's a lot to dive into, but we'll get started with our first pitch. And like you mentioned, we do have some team drama. Uh, my first pitch comes out of the south side of Chicago, the White Sox. In case you missed it, in a blowout game, Yerman Mercedes of the White Sox batting against a position player decided to swing away on a 3-0 pitch, up by 10, and he hit a home run about 450 feet off of a 50-mile-per-hour lob from a position player. You know, took his time to admire it. In the past, that's maybe something you don't do, but, you know, it's 2021. We're having fun. We're letting the kids play. Unless you're, you know, 80-year-old manager Tony La Russa, in which case you have a big fucking problem with what your players are doing. Uh, Tony La Russa hates this. He, in his post-game press conference, decides to air his grievances and unfortunately does not stop there. He, you know, Mercedes, thankfully, has some teammates come to his defense. Tim Anderson, great guy, team captain material, goes on Instagram Live and defends him. Starting pitcher Lance Lynn comes out and says, you know what, position players pitching, you know, the more he plays this game, he says, the more these rules have gone away. His teammates are there for him, but Larusa decides to double down. He even says, quote, Lance Lynn, he has a locker. I have an office. I don't agree. Larusa just keeps doubling down against his own players. Talk about unwritten rules. How about having your players' backs? I am not going to mince words here. Tony Larusa sucks. What's even worse about that too is the very next day after they threw behind Yerman Mercedes. So Yerman swinging at a three-zero pitch. I don't mind that at all. Go for it. Get your home runs. Get the arbitration with some better numbers. Get your money, guy. But then when the Twins rebuttal the next day and throw behind him, and Tony LaRusso says, I have no problem with that, he's essentially saying to the baseball world, yeah, if my guys are having fun and they're hitting home runs and you throw at them, I'm on your side. Yeah, and you can't lose the locker room like that. I mean, you know, the White Sox, they go into the week, the best team in baseball. A little bit of a slide, but we'll get into that. But, you know, you have a great young team here. And I'm starting to think it's in spite of what this guy's doing. You know, respect to LaRusse's past, you know, six pennants, three World Series rings, whatever. But you got to have your teams back, especially a young team like this that could really use a leader that supports them. Just what are you doing, man? Well, the leader that supports them is Tim Anderson. He's their de facto captain at this point. It's really, really genuinely hard for me to put into words how much more valuable Yerman Mercedes has been to the White Sox this year than Tony LaRusa. It's really hard to quantify that if they had to choose one of the guys to stay, Mercedes is the guy. Exactly. And we've been talking about it, you know, all season. He's an absolute monster. He's somehow leading the league in batting average despite being like the most like scary presence at the plate I've ever seen. Like I said, hit a 450 hit foot home run off of a 50 mile per hour pitch. And that guy's leading the league at hitting, and you're not defending him as his manager? Get the hell out of here. Yeah, I 1,000% agree. You say respect to his past, but the game evolves, and I feel like it's evolved past the need for Tony LaRusso. 
Oh, it absolutely has. And when I say his past, remember, he was a manager in the 1970s. So maybe it's time he stay in the past. It's it's just hard to watch. And I, I hope they do something. I'm sure they won't, though, because, you know, he is La Russa. He, you know, is one of the, the greats of the game. He commands respect among many of the old heads, especially in the owner's circle. But he's not helping the team anymore. He's He's hurting them. I a thousand percent agree with you. Even with a guy that has coached for that long, he's really one of those old minds of the game that does not like seeing players demonstrate or show emotion on the field. They're supposed to go out there and do their job. Real lunch pail type guys. And with a team that has personality, I feel like he's the wrong guy to lead them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Well, I I hate talking about, you know, the off the field stuff with so much good on the field stuff. So what is your first pitch this week? I want to talk about not just Corey Kluber, but the no hitter in general. So Corey Kluber came two pitches away from throwing a Maddox no hitter. That's a no hitter with under 100 pitches. He threw 101 pitches. He had one walk and he threw a masterful performance of a no hitter. And not only to me does that cement his argument for the Hall of Fame, he's one of the best pitchers of our generation, and we haven't been able to see him pitch very much in the past few years, but that's sixth no-hitter this year. We're on pace for a historic year to begin with, with batting average lower than ever and more three true outcomes. I think that we're going to break the record of seven this year. I think we're probably going to end the year with eight, nine, if we have another crazy stretch by the back end of the year, we might get even double-digit no-hitters, get 10 this year. And a lot of the national talking heads have been saying, bro, it happens every night now. It's 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 lost its value. The no-hitter has not lost its value. You watched a guy throw 100 pitches, and not a single player on the other team could hit it in the field. That's remarkable. How are you going to tell me that a pitcher – threw so well and did a masterful performance of of pitching and you're telling me it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. It's still an immaculate thing to watch. And when the tweets start going out, when the guy goes into the seventh without allowing a hit, put the TV on. You're going to watch history. Yeah, I I agree with most of that. I think, well, it definitely still matters. It's still, you know, amazing to watch. I absolutely tune into every time I see, you know, no hitter going into the seventh, going into the eighth. Um, But I think it is a sign of a different problem in baseball, which for me has been the league's, you know, the league thinking they need to change the the physics of the baseball every year. So this was the first year before the season they said, hey, we changed the baseball. Um, We want more action in the field. We don't want as many home runs, essentially unjuicing the baseball from what it's been in the past couple of years, which I think in, you know, their, their heart was in the right place. The idea was right. Obviously, the pitching has been very lopsided over the hitting this year. I think we're going to see the hitters start to adjust. I mean, that's what it usually is in a normal year. You know, pitching starts good, then hitters figure it out. And especially with now, there's this whole new element to it. They have to figure out, you know, why are the balls breaking this much? Why are they not flying this far? As they adjust to that, I think we will probably, I don't think we'll see another six no-hitters in the year. We'll probably see a couple more. You know, that's just emblematic of a different problem that we need to figure out, you know. Let's get a standard for the baseball. Let's get some more standards in here and not change the game every single year. But the thing is, even if they change the baseball, throwing the baseball is the same mechanic. It will not change. So if a guy 
can go up on the bump and throw a baseball a hundred plus times and nobody gets a hit in those 100 plus chances. That's spectacular. Kluber did it with just one walk. We've had an instance this year where a player reached on a strikeout. We had the toe hitter. Like these games are extremely exciting. And while baseball has to figure out what to do to generate more offense, I personally think they should ban the shift. Whatever a pitcher pulls this off, no national talking head, no player, no manager should ever take it away because it's still a remarkable piece of baseball history. Yeah, now that part I agree with. I think that you know, no, nobody should be taking that away from him, from Kluber or anybody this season. Still a great accomplishment. But on the back end, let's see, okay, what did we do wrong here? You know, their goal was to create more offense, and they created literally so much less offense that there's none in some games. So major leagues figure that out. Talking heads, appreciate the no-hitters. Managers, stop being assholes to your players. I think that pretty much summarizes our first pitches of the of the pod today. Uh, one more thing. Don't you dare call Kluber's slider a slider. It's the clue ball. It is the clue ball. It's not a curveball. It's not a slider. And it's certainly not a slurve. Nope. The clue ball. The clue ball from the clue bot. That's right. So that pretty much brings us right into us talking about the state of the league. We got some a lot of off the field stuff and we covered kind of what the big talking points were this week. Let's actually talk about the teams. Already kick us off everybody's favorite division, the National League Central. What you got? National League Central. So this has been a very exciting week in baseball, but the Central had a pretty quiet week relative to the league. Um, Cardinals are still on top by three games. Flaherty has been looking like an absolute ace, though. Last three starts, 19 innings pitched, two earned runs, 19 Ks. Can't ask for too much more from than that. Um, elsewhere in the division, the Cubs took three or four from the Nats. They're in a rubber match with the Cardinals tonight. They've each taken one. Um, they had to put Jason Hayward on the IL, and the rumor mill has been spinning over Chris Bryant. For those of you who have not been paying attention to this marvelous division, he's been playing first and third. He's played all three outfield spots. He's got a one dot OPS in this diminished offensive season. Um, if the Cubs start to slide, keep an eye on that one. Yeah, it's crazy that he's become almost a super utility player that can hit. It's really rare to see guys nowadays they kind of specialize at their position or they're a utility player. Him playing four plus positions with plus defense and ha- slugging pretty well, he could really add some value. I don't think he's going to stay on the Cubs. I think they're going to trade him. But with a lot of teams really not moving the prospects anymore, I don't think they're going to get a haul. I think it's more so going to be let's get like four or five young guys. Yeah, it's going to depend. You know, if they're if they're even in the mix, which – Right now with the Brewers, are still down there a little bit. If they're in that mix, I think they'll hold on to him, but I think it's more likely than not we'll see him move for some type of prospect package in June and July. Yeah, you talked about the Brewers. How are they doing? I heard they made a big move this past week. Yes, they did. They added a shortstop, Willie Adamas, from the Rays. Um, so the Brewers have been ranked in the bottom five in the league in pretty much every offensive category. Not looking too good, so they're hoping this is, you know, going to be a little bit of an improvement. Damas himself is out, off to a tough start, still hitting under 200. But, you know, from the past, we know this guy can hit, and he can hit from both sides of the plate. He's a great defender at a really important position. Could be the spark to get them back in the mix. Could be, you know, that sort of backup to Yelich in the lineup, that protection. So we'll see. We'll see if they're able to, you know, swing some momentum off this. 
I certainly do not think Adamas is offensive spark. <laughs> I think he's way more of a defensive leader or like a really key defensive position that maybe will help out their pitching. To me, the trade's really weird. I don't understand why the Brewers would kind of go in on this year. Like they're back by three and a half, but it doesn't make too, too much sense for me yet. Yeah, I mean, we will see. Well, last year had an 813 OPS, which is very good for a shortstop. Yep. Um, and they traded a couple relief pitchers, and you know the Rays. They see things in relievers that nobody else sees, and they turn him into a guy who can throw 98 and a cutter that moves a foot and a half. So I'm sure they're both going to end up finding a way to win the trade. Got to disagree with you. I think he could be something. Bad start to the year, but don't sleep on Adamas. Okay, I will not sleep on Adamas, that's for sure. All right, let's go over to the other Central in the American League. The Yankees and the White Sox played a barn burner of a series this week. The Yankees won all three games. They won in a 7-0 blowout, a super tight 5-4 win, and a 2-1 win, where Glaber Torres in the 2-1 game hit a bloop infield single to walk it off. And coming off the IL, getting COVID a second time, it's looking like he's becoming the player that the Yankees hoped he would be for a shortstop. I have to talk about Yerman Mercedes again. This dude is literally leading the American League in batting average. Simply for swinging 3-0 on account, it seems like the locker room and the players have all rallied around him. But I thought we were done with the swinging and hitting a home run on a 3-0 count after Tatis did that a few years ago. Tatis hit a ball on a 3-0 count, like, to the moon. And I remember Hosmer had to talk to him in the dugout about it. I genuinely thought that we could be past this. But no, Tony LaRusha sucks ass, and it's up to Tim Anderson and his teammates to actually push the game forward. Outside of the ever-exciting White Sox that are one of the best teams in baseball, the Royals somehow swept the Brewers in a two-game series. Uh, baseball is weird. It was a very weird week. <laughs> yeah, well, good for the Royals. They snapped, though. I think they hit, like, 13 games on that losing streak. and sort Yes, of sir! Them. I don't think we're going to see them on top of the division again by any means, but, you know, good for them. <laughs> good for them having a good week. Yeah, they had fun. Good for them. 2-0 against the Brewers. That's a good series for them. All right, let's head over to the East Coast um, in the National League. Remaining incredibly close and incredibly average. Mets are the only team over 500. All the teams are within two and a half games. Uh, let's take a look at what happened in each team. Uh, Mets look like they're getting DeGrom back from the IL Tuesday. Um, I don't know if anyone saw this, but DeGrom had a rehab start in single A ball. These are 19-year-olds and kids right out of college. And they got DeGrom throwing 102 down their throats. Seems kind of rude, but like, just imagine that being that young, having to see the best pitcher of a generation. Not fun. I physically cannot imagine being a year removed from eating lunch in a cafeteria and going to a gym class to trying to hit a DeGrom changeup. It, to me, it's rude that the Mets put him in single A and they weren't even like A plus or like double A. They were like, yeah, single A, 19, 20 year olds. Try and hit it. Good luck. Yeah, tough, tough break for that team. I think the the single A Cardinals, tough break. Braves outscored the Pirates thirty seven to nine. That offense is finally looking like it's clicking. Uh, the Marlins just beat the Mets and the Phillies in three game sets, so they're looking okay. 
The Phillies, um, it sounds like Segura and Girardi made up after their little tiff last week, um, but they have lost six of the last eight. Bigger news from the division, Strasburg is back from the injured list. He threw 5.1 scoreless. He's going to be a really big help to the Nats. By the way, the curveball was looking nasty as ever in that start. Um, but the Nats need this. Without Scherzer, they don't have that much going. Corbin has been settling in the last couple weeks, but Scherzer's really been the only guy they have at the top of that rotation. So Strasburg is probably going to make a very big impact very fast. I feel like the division as a whole, it like I said last week, it's going to be whoever wants to win it the most. It's looking like all the teams are just about equal. And with all of the preseason headlines the Mets got with a lot of their trades and their signings, it's really, really cool to see teams that are all built in different ways and built in different eras competing for the divisional crown. The Phillies specifically, it sucks. Bryce Harper is on a skid lately. He is ice cold. He's going to take a few nights off, and we'll see if he can come back and knock the cover off the ball like I know he can. It's going to be really hard to even find a way to get 95 wins in this division. Yeah, and I mean, you really nailed it there, saying every team is built very different. I mean, you have the Marlins, where I think the oldest guy is like 24 years old, Jazz Chisholm's, uh, and you know, Sixto Sanchez is doing absolutely outstanding things over there. And then you have got the teams like the Braves, which are built around you know these stars that are just hitting their peaks. You have teams like the Mets, where they have you know Francisco Lindor and Jacob Degrom. You have the Phillies with some of their older stars and the Nats as well. So really a little bit of everything in this division and no favorite yet. going to be fun to see where this one goes. The only thing I'll add is Ronald Acuna Jr. wants to be included so badly in the face of baseball conversation. <laughs> this dude's hitting leadoff home runs and he's bat flipping, bat dropping. He's like, talk about me. I am important. And he deserves to be talked about. This dude's a superstar. Yeah, I will say he probably is the least talked about of like that top, top tier of guys that are really, really good at baseball and also very fun to watch. So it's weird that he isn't in the conversation, but we'll see, you know, if the Braves can make a run and, you know, get a deep playoff run, if he can have that national attention at that stage, you know, like Juan Soto did a couple of years ago, I think he's definitely going to get in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. All right. American League East. Fun week over here. Real fun week. I'll start with what I personally believe is the most fun. The Orioles are as bad as we thought they were. We knew that they were bad, but they've lost 13 of their last 15. That's awful. That's like wipe the season level bad. What do you do when you go on such a skid for three straight weeks where you only win two games? Tough look down in Baltimore. Opposite end of that spectrum, Tampa Bay might be the hottest team in the league. They've won 10 in a row, and Randy Arozarena is as good as we thought he was. He's got 1.9 war so far. He's leading the team in war, and he's ripping the cover off the ball. He's actually as good as we saw last year in the playoffs. Yeah, this is a really well-rounded offensive team. Joey Wendell's hitting. Austin Meadows is hitting. It's tough to find a weakness in this team. You know, G-Man Choi's just getting started back up. And then, you know, the pitching side has actually been kind of weak for them, which is surprising. But, you know, when they get that settled in, and trust me, they will get settled in. This is a good pitching team. Uh, it's, they're going to be tough to stop if they keep this up. Absolutely. Another team that was tough to stop this past week and that has been on a roll is the Boston Red Sox. They had a 
big win over Toronto, thanks to J.D. Martinez's ninth inning bomb. So they got a nice series win against the Blue Jays, a division rival. The Boston Red Sox, their story of the year, outside of just being a well-rounded team that's clicking. J.D. Martinez is having an in-case-you-forgot year. He was really quiet in 2020. Everything was different. The routines were off. It makes sense. But this dude is the powerhouse of that offense. He's slugging. He's hitting home runs. And it looks like batting in the middle of that order is exactly where he's supposed to be. Yeah, it looks like they're starting to get some help from that bottom of their lineup, which is you know the story we've been talking about. Christian Vasquez, Christian Arroyo. For a while, it looked like just their, their big four guys. Uh, but it looks like the team's starting to finally round out a little bit those no other guys batting average OPS are ticking up. So another one of those teams where if the if the help comes to the guys that are already doing good, watch out. And it looks like it's getting there for them. Yeah, it's crazy that they were one of the hottest teams to start the year. If they just even remotely compare to that pace, I think they can compete for the division crown. Also with the, the AL East, it's going to be really, really hard to pick a winner right now. It's going to be even harder down the stretch to pick the wild card. Realistically, you could have three teams make the playoffs from this division. And it's looking more and more like Boston, Tampa Bay. And if the Yankees stay hot, those could be three teams that make it. Yeah, the Blue Jays have started. looks like they've fallen off a little bit. Five straight losses. That's always tough, especially in this division where that's going to come back to haunt them down the road in September. But we will probably see at least two of those three teams in the playoffs, if not all three. And the Blue Jays, if if they can turn it around, if they can figure out that pitching, maybe, but it's been a little bit lackluster. The, they lost those five games that they just lost, you mentioned, all five of them against the division rivals, the Red Sox and the Rays. It's <laughs> bad, bad, bad luck, especially yeah. losing that many this early against your rivals. Those are going to hurt. We'll see if they can turn it around, but in this division, you need to stay hot. Artie, let's jump over to the West Coast. What do you got from the NL? All right. This division is as fun as ever. In case you missed it, Trevor Bauer has been just having an absolute blast on the mound, just being an all-time troll. Um, He broke out his new sword celebration where he does a little slash and then tucks the sword in the belt. Um, the, The San Francisco fans in the Bay did not like that, but Bauer loved that they did not like that. Pumping up the booze, doing the little Hulk Hogan ear thing. He is just so much fun to watch out there. He loves the hate. I'm glad we have a a good heel type guy in baseball. They've won seven straight. Outside of that, the Dodgers won seven straight. They just swept the Giants out of first place. The Giants looked absolutely lost in this series. Um, Quick note, though, shouts to 2006 All-Star, 37-year-old Scott Kazmier. He played in his first game since 2016. Four innings pitched, one run, but caught the L. Honestly, the Giants just hit a buzzsaw on the Dodgers. Um, We'll see if they can rebound, though. They are still right there in the division. I love Bauer. I love Bauer so much. I love players with personality. I love that he loves that he's hated. I love that he likes the booze. I would pay my life savings to have Bauer and Tony La Russa sit down and talk for a full hour with no silence. I love it. I not surprised at all the Dodgers won seven straight and swept the Giants. It's something baseball needs. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Dodgers are actually going to play the Astros this week. I think Bauer's going to get a start against them. 
we see if he can, you know, get more booze than the Astros themselves. Sort of two heels going at it there. But yeah, this is the exact type of personality that baseball needs. In addition to all the fun guys they have, you need someone like this to get the booze. And he's doing great at it. They have been absolutely on fire this week. Uh, elsewhere in the division, Padres have won nine straight to the Dodgers seven. They swapped the Mariners and the Rockies this week. They've won 12 out of their last 13. Tatis just came back from the COVID IL list this week. He went four for four. So they get this big boost on offense mid-winning streak. Darvish and Snell both go seven innings pitched with zero earned runs. This team is rolling on offense and on pitching. Yeah, it's crazy. I said earlier that Tampa Bay is the hottest team in baseball. The only reason why they're the hottest team is because they have 10 wins straight and San Diego's got nine. <laughs> I would challenge you on that, though. 12 out of the last 13, some absolute routes. And Tatis now, just to inject that offense with something they didn't even need, this is this is something else here. Win 10 in a row. Have a bigger streak, and I'll call you the hottest team in the league. Until they do that, Tampa Bay, that's the one. Okay, uh, agree to disagree there. Let's hear about uh, the AL West. Showtime, baby! Shohei Otani keeps doing it literally every week. This guy hit like two home runs last week. Pitching is so much fun to watch. He's must watch TV. Put the game on. I get it. He's in Los Angeles. It's a 10 o'clock first pitch. Have your coffee. Make some Stromboli. Kick your feet up. Stay up late one night when he's pitching. Watch the whole thing. It's sensational. It's Unlike anything I have ever seen in baseball, how is a dude throwing 100, throwing a splitter that's 92, and then knocking a 400-foot bomb? It's ridiculous. That being said, Trout is out six to eight weeks now with a calf strain. So the Angels are last in the division, and they quite literally have the worst pitching in the American League. And they're in the conversation for worst pitching in all of baseball. If Otani somehow finds a way to get them close to 500 down the stretch, put him in the MVP conversation. Just put his name in it. You know, it's tough because I feel like every year around Trout, we have this conversation of, well, you know, one guy can't lead a team. You know, it, it, it takes the whole squad. And now Trout's out and Shohei's doing it alone. He's doing it from both sides of the ball and he still can't get it done for the Angels who are now seven games under 500, seven and a half games out of the division. It's It sucks. It sucks for Shohei, but, you know, this is, he wanted to go to a smaller market team. He wanted to, you know, just play his best baseball, and that's exactly what he's doing. Just unfortunate that we're probably not going to see Trout or Otani in a playoff game in 2021. Being that far back in the division, they're behind the Oakland A's. And you've talked about the Oakland A's a few times now. They went on that crazy run to win 13 in a row to start the season. Somehow, they're still leading the division. Uh, none of their players are having superior seasons. None of their pitchers are superstars. It's really that one 13-game stretch that's kept them kind of above the rest of the division. It's really interesting, too, because the division last week has ran through Oakland. So they went 3-3 three and three against the Angels and the Astros. I would say if they stay at 3-3 three and three or 500 against the rest of the division the rest of the year, Oakland wins it. Just stay a 500 team, have that 13-game win streak you had earlier carry you, they'll win the division. 
until another team can click like they did, it's theirs. It's it's definitely possible. The Astros have been streaky. The Angels, as we just said, have been awful. The Mariners and the Rangers are not any better, really. So it's going to come down to the A's and the Astros in the end. And it doesn't look like there's going to be a wild card spot for either of them. So if it's the A's, it's going to have to be some type of patched together season. But I, I, I'm not a believer. I'm still a certified non-believer in the Oakland A's. I'm also a certified non-believer of the Seattle Mariners because they lost every game this last week. 0-6, the cap off their week. Tatis hit a week-ending nuke grand slam just to cap it off when they were already down. It's <laughs> The Mariners are a team of fun. They're not a winning team historically. Stories like that kind of encapsulate them. The 20th, 1,000th, how do you say that? 20,000th player? I think it's 20th, 1,000th. 20th, 1,000th player in baseball, Jose Godoy played, and he played for the Mariners. So shout out Seattle. You guys had the 20th, 1,000th player to play in baseball. Other fun things about the Mariners, they are the only team with a team batting average under 200. That's unheard of. If their team batting average ends the year under 200, I bring back the juiced ball. But just in Seattle, no humidor, let them play. Yeah, we really went full circle there. Um, this this offense is about as bad as it gets in a season that's offensively um, as bad as it gets. So, yeah, way to go Mariners. Way to be the label of the league. Good for them. Proud of them. Uh, Artie, any other big stories you want to cover from any of the divisions? I think we're ready to move on to our scouting report for next week. Let's do it. Kick us off. All right, first up, you got some early homework. Monday night baseball, the San Diego Padres at the Milwaukee Brewers. We got Blake Snell versus Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff has a 1.58 ERA. That's second in the majors right now. Um, I think the real question is here, can Slam Diego keep up that winning streak? Can they hit that 10 straight? Or is Milwaukee ready to turn it around like I think they are? In this game, I don't know if they're going to turn it around just yet, but Woodruff has been lights out all season. So keep your eyes out on that. Woodruff's about to go 9.0, one earned run, no decision. Yep, almost certainly. (laughs) (laughs) That's my prediction for his line. 9.0, one earned run, two walks, no decision. Tatis, one one run, 500-foot home run. (laughs) (laughs) First inning, first pitch he sees. All right, what do you got for next week? Jacob DeGrom, baby. You already know who it is. He's coming off the IL on Tuesday. You talked about it. He teed up the minor leaguers, throwing 102 against 19-year-olds, and the Mets are going into seven straight home games. If DeGrom comes off the IL on Tuesday and he pitches Tuesday, could be a huge week for them to actually get string a few of these wins together and potentially have two DeGrom starts, and potentially put themselves a few games ahead in the division. If DeGrom's pitching, put the TV on, watch the 102, watch the 92-mile-per-hour change up, kick your feet up, enjoy the masterclass in pitching. Yeah, definitely. Keep an eye out for that game Tuesday. He's already penciled in tentatively for the Sunday against the Atlanta Braves Memorial Day weekend, Sunday night baseball. That could be fun. That could be a game for the first place in the division by then. Who knows? You're going to have to watch and find out. You got one more series that's coming up. 
Yes, I do. Another weekend series, a four-game set between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants. Um, the Dodgers just swept them in the Bay in three games. Giants are going to be looking for revenge. It doesn't look like they're going to see Bauer again, um, but they are going to see Kershaw. They are going to see Bueller. So be on the lookout for the Giants to hopefully get that top spot back, stay relevant in a division where it's going to be very, very hard to stay relevant. San Francisco takes three out of four here. I don't think they will. But if they do, if, if they do, then the division's a toss-up. But <laughs> I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to lose three out of four. Yeah, I think the Giants are right on the cusp of are they pretenders or are they contenders? If they are able to do something big in that series, certified contenders. They are pretenders. Do not get your hopes I, up. If, they are I said it. I said it. Their team leader in batting average is their shortstop, and he's batting 256. They're pretenders. Well, I'm looking at a plus 47 run differential. I'm looking at two games out of the most competitive division in baseball, so I don't know. What's the team average age? Like 32? Prob- okay. We, well, we got old head Buster Posey knocking dingers, so what do you want? <laughs> I guess I guess you're right. I'll watch. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend, like us on Spotify, subscribe so you can hear our wonderful voices every Monday morning telling you about this past week in baseball. Thanks for listening to the Knuckle Curve Podcast.